Welcome to the Run Run Live 4.0 podcast, where we plumb the daily adventure of endurance sports. Let us seize this precious moment together and squeeze the life from it like a golden lemon sent to us fresh today from the emissaries of the gods. Terribly happy guy Then he ate a moldy pumpkin pie Then he thought that he just couldn't die So Ned, he laughed so hard and made him cry Made him Hello, my friends. How's your October going? This is Chris, your host. Welcome to episode 4-351 of the Run Run Live podcast. Today we're going to chat with Nick Simmons, Olympian, 800-meter champion, and CEO of Run Gum. I usually shy away from talking about products, but Nick seemed like a fairly interesting dude, and I like to support entrepreneurs, especially in our space. Reading Nick's bio, he seems a bit of a high-energy renegade type, a world-class 800-meter racer with a rich social life. Supposedly, he dated Paris Hilton, but I didn't have the guts to go there. Perhaps he's the Toulouse-Lautrec of middle-distance running. It's funny how they call 800 meters middle distance. So what does that make? 1,000 meters long distance? Or I don't know. I tried to tease him out of his shell and to talk about his startup story, but he mostly sticks to the script. It's a good chat, though. It's something we're seeing more of. Accomplished runners in 2016 don't have to fade into obscurity or open a shoe store or any of the other things they usually do. The new playbook is to use that 15 minutes of fame to launch something, a cookbook, a clothing line, a supplement. Now, I haven't tried run gum, but I suppose it's as good a way as any to get caffeine into your system. I'm a bit leery of supplements in general. I tend to play a long game when it comes to my health and fitness, and I'm not looking for shortcuts. So if he gets A hit with run gum, I'm sure it's going to be from treating it as a fashion accessory, not as a supplement. It could go viral on him if he can get a Kardashian to spit some out at the Oscars or something. Then in section one, I'm going to read an abstract from a National Institute of Health article on supplements because they said it better than I could. (laughs) So I'm just going to read it. Well, I'll read some of it. In section two, I'll talk about the interesting nature of social media algorithms. I'm on a bit of a social media diet right now, and we'll talk about that a little bit. It's been two weeks since the Portland Marathon, and I have only run once. I've been doing a lot of strength workouts and yoga. 
Thing is, my right hip is a little tight, and I don't want to push it. But I am on a strict beer, chips, and cake diet that is working wonders at reversing the ill effects of eating clean for 90 days. <laughs> I pled my case with the Portland Marathon, and they credited me four minutes off my finishing time for running that extra half mile. And honestly, the only reason I pushed so hard is I knew it was really close. I'm not sure we could make a linear assumption on that pace, but officially it's now in the books as a 3.34.54, and that puts me just over five minutes under my BQ for 2018. And thank you, thank you all for the, the great feedback on that episode. It seems to have resonated with many of you, and I'm glad for that. It makes me happy. It makes me happy when you're happy. Thank you for my new members over at the member feed. My guy in Nigeria, he couldn't figure out the members-only podcast feed, so I got another guy somewhere else to take a swing at it. Still working on that because I'm patient, and I will have the separate feed up so you can get it in your favorite podcast app. This week, I'm recording another couple book reviews for members only. If you want to join up, go to the website and follow the directions. I also volunteered at two local races last weekend. In the morning, I worked the Bay State Marathon water stop. And then in the afternoon, I worked the Groton Town Forest Trail races. Both had excellent days. And in general, the weather has been great for most of the marathons this fall. And that's going to put time pressure on all you people looking to qualify for Boston in 2018. You're going to need those extra four minutes. You'd better start chewing some run gum because uh, you're going to need some minutes, four or five minutes, to get under your qualification standard. And it's funny, right? It's just like the four-minute mile story. No one thought it was possible until Bannister did it. Now they run sub-four in high school. You lower that Boston standard and people are going to figure it out and they're going to start doing it. It's going to creep down again. And that's one of the great things about challenges, right? The bigger the challenge, the more likely we are to rise to it and the more likely we are to have our finest hour. On with the show. It is when we learn to leave our comfort zone that we find ourselves communing with our inner strength. I was going to write a piece on popular dietary supplements, but I found one <laughs> that says what I wanted to say. So I'm just going to read it to you. And this is from August 2013 from the National Institute of Health newsletter. And it's called, Should You Take Dietary Supplements? Subtitle, A Look at Vitamins, Minerals, Botanicals, and More. When you reach for that bottle of vitamin C or fish oil pills, you might wonder how well they'll work and if they're safe. The first thing you ask yourself is whether you need them in the first place. More than half of all Americans take one or more dietary supplements daily or occasionally, Supplements are available without a prescription and usually come in pill, powder, or liquid form. Common supplements include vitamins, minerals, and herbal products, also known as botanicals. 
people take these supplements to make sure they get enough essential nutrients and to maintain or improve their health. But not everyone needs to take supplements. Quote, It's possible to get all of the nutrients you need by eating a variety of healthy foods, so you don't have to take one, says Carol Hagens, a registered dietitian and consultant to the NIH. But supplements can be useful for filling gaps in your diet. Some supplements may have side effects, especially if taken before surgery or with other medicines. Supplements can also cause problems if you have certain health conditions, and the effects of many supplements haven't been tested in children, pregnant women, and other groups. So talk with your health care provider if you're thinking about taking dietary supplements. Quote, you should discuss with your doctor what supplements you're taking. So your care can be integrated and managed, advised Dr. Craig Hopp, an expert in botanicals research at NIH. Dietary supplements are regulated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, as foods, not drugs. The label may claim certain health benefits, but unlike medicines, supplements can't claim to cure, treat, or prevent any disease. Quote, there is little evidence that any supplement can reverse the course of any chronic disease, says Hop. Don't take supplements with that expectation. Evidence does suggest that some supplements can enhance health in different ways. The most popular nutrient supplements are multivitamins, calcium, and vitamins B, C, and D. Calcium supports bone health. Vitamin D helps the body absorb calcium. Vitamin C and E are antioxidants, molecules that prevent cell damage and help to maintain health. Women need iron during pregnancy and breastfeed infants need vitamin D, folic acid, 400 milligrams daily, whether from supplements or fortified food, is important for all women of childbearing age. Vitamin B12 keeps the nerve and blood cells healthy. Quote, vitamin B12 mostly comes from meat, fish, and dairy foods, so vegans may consider taking a supplement to be sure to get enough of it, Higgins says. Research suggests that fish oil can promote heart health. Of the supplements not derived from vitamins and minerals, Hop says, fish oil probably has the most scientific evidence to support its use. The health effects of some other common supplements need more study. These include glucosamine for joint pain, herbal supplements such as echinacea for immune health, and flaxseed oil for digestion. Many supplements have mild effects with few risks, but use caution. Vitamin K, for example, will reduce the ability of blood thinners to work. Ginkgo can increase blood thinning. The herb St. John's wort is sometimes used to ease depression, anxiety, or nerve pain, but it can also speed the breakdown of many drugs such as antidepressants and birth control pills, making them less effective. Just because a supplement is promoted as, quote, natural, doesn't mean it's safe. The herbs comfrey and kava, for example, can seriously damage the liver. Quote, it's important to know the chemical makeup, how it's prepared, and how it works in the body, especially for herbs, but also for nutrients, says Hagens. 
Talk to a healthcare provider for advice on whether you need a supplement in the first place, the dose, and the possible interactions with any medicine you are already taking. For vitamins and minerals, check the percent daily value, DV, for each nutrient to make sure you're not getting too much. Quote, it's important to consider the DV and upper limit, says Hagens. Too much of certain supplements can be harmful. Scientists still have much to learn about common vitamins. One recent study found unexpected evidence about vitamin E. Earlier research suggested that men who took vitamin E supplements might have a lower risk of developing prostate cancer. Quote, but much to our surprise, a large NIH-funded clinical trial of more than 29,000 men found that taking supplements of vitamin E actually raised, not reduced, the risk of this disease, says Dr. Paul M. Coates, director of NIH Office of Dietary Supplements. That's why it's important to conduct clinical studies of supplements to confirm their effects. Pay attention to this part. Because supplements are regulated as food, not drugs, the FDA doesn't evaluate the quality of supplements or assess their effects on the body. If a product is found to be unsafe after it reaches the market, the FDA can restrict or ban its use. Manufacturers are also responsible for the product's purity, and they must accurately list ingredients and their amounts. But there's no regulatory agency that makes sure that labels match what's in the bottles. You risk getting less, or sometimes more, of the listed ingredients. All the ingredients may not even be listed. A few independent organizations conduct quality tests of supplements and offer seals of approval. This doesn't guarantee that the product works or is safe. It just assures that the product was properly made and contains the listed ingredients. Quote, products sold nationally in stores and online where you usually shop should be fine, says Coates. According to the FDA, supplement products most likely to be contaminated with pharmaceutical ingredients are herbal remedies promoting weight loss, sexual or athletic performance enhancement. Uh-huh. In conclusion, deciding whether to take dietary supplements and which ones to take is a serious matter, says Coates. Learn about their potential benefits and risks they may pose first. Speak to your healthcare providers about products of interest and decide together what might be best for you to take, if anything, for your overall health. All right, some key stuff in there, right? And that's the National Institute of Health. So, Supplements don't actually have to do anything. They don't even have to prove that they work. And so you really got to pay attention because they might be doing nothing or, at worst, something the opposite of what you want it to do. Yeah, talk to your health professional. Cheers. And now for today's featured interview. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm just hanging now, out here now in that Seattle. We're live. It's a cold rain day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now that we're live. Yeah, I was out in Portland earlier in the week. I ran the Portland Marathon in a cold rainstorm. This time of year, you can have a 75 and sunny day, or you can have a 40 and rainy day. You just never know. Yeah, well, they were saying it rains pretty much every day in the wintertime. It's kind of the weather. Yeah, for the next six months, that's about the standard. Yeah, and you went to uh, college in Salem, which is like halfway between Eugene, where... 
all the famous Hayward Field, Prefontaine stuff is, and uh, Portland, where I was. Correct. So, I'm glad I could uh, grab your time this morning. So, let me uh, give you a quick introduction. So, you're a seven-time Division III NCAA title winner at the uh, 800 meters, I think, right? Correct, yeah. N15 plus six uh, USATF outdoor national titles and two Olympic teams. So you're a pretty good runner. Yeah, thanks very much. And uh, you're an interesting dude, too. You got a lot going on. You're in the news a I lot. I try to so stay I busy. Started... <laughs> yeah, like I said, I was just out in your neck of the woods. And you were in just in uh, my neck of the woods. You, were, you did the Reach the Beach Relay this year, right? Yeah, I'd never been to New Hampshire and was invited by Ragnar Relay Series to go out there and, and run Reach the Beach. And that was just awesome. It was a great way to see part of the country that I'd never been to before. Yeah, most people can't even find New Hampshire on the map. <laughs> so, yeah. Why don't you give me the 200 words or less on who you are and, and what you do and, and why we're talking? Yeah, well, Nick Simmons, I'm 32 years old. I've made two Olympic teams. I'm an athletepreneur in that I train full-time, but I have a full-time job as the CEO of RunGum, which is a company I started. And I live in Seattle, Washington. I've been calling the Pacific Northwest my home for the last 15 years. And uh, I just try to stay busy. I feel like every day is such a blessing. I get to wake up and train hard, work on my company. And I feel very fortunate to be living this life and to be an American and have all these opportunities. I was looking at your uh, Wikipedia page and it said you had a sub four minute mile, which is pretty cool. Only like a five something uh, beer mile. So you clearly need to work <laughs> well, up, work on your drinking skills. I obviously do. Yeah, I obviously do. You yeah. know, I was a fraternity member back at Willamette University, and I think I probably could have broken five back then. But I, I spent too much time running and not enough time drinking over the last 15 years. Yeah, I was with some Canadians this week in Portland. I told them that that's the Canadian national sport. All the Canadians win the beer yeah, mile. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so, um this is super interesting. You're in this sort of season of your life. You know, we all have these sort of seasons in our lives where you're kind of transitioning from being a career track and field success to being the next thing you're going to do, right? And for track and field athletes, it really hasn't changed that much over time. You're not a professional basketball or baseball player. You're not making $200 million a year. So you, it's always a challenge for track and field athletes to get to the point where they want to transition into something and say, what am I going to do next, right? And it looks like you're throwing all your energy into this new venture, this run gum thing is your next step. Is that an accurate preamble? Yeah, it is. Like you say, we're not making millions and millions of dollars in track and field. And I kind of recognized in the last few years that if I wanted to keep making a salary, it wasn't going to be on the track. It had to be in some other venue. And so my coach and I created a company, RunGum, which is a product that we'd wanted to create for years. You know, over the last 15 years in competition, Sam LaPrey, my coach and I, were experimenting with legal stimulants to find the edge that would allow us to beat our competition. In my event, winning and losing can be separated by as little as, as a tenth of a second, and it frequently is separated by a tenth of a second. So we found that caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins gave me the physical and mental edge on my competition, but needed an efficient way to get it into my system. Drinking a, a heavy acidic energy drink or drinking coffee right before I ran was just not an option. And so we took basically everything that's in an energy drink and infused it into two pieces of chewing gum. Chewing it in gum form allows us to absorb the stimulants faster 
and allows me to get these stimulants into my body without having anything heavy and, and liquid sloshing around in my stomach. So run gum is a more affordable, more efficient, cleaner way to get the stimulants that I need without all the other junk. And we launched the company about two years ago. Actually, our, our two-year birthday is tomorrow. So it's been a really fun ride, and it's been awesome sharing this story with everybody. Doctors, lawyers, truck drivers, athletes, everybody seems to find a way to incorporate run gum into their daily energy needs. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? I, I see a couple of things here. One is, did you sit back and say, draw circles on the whiteboard and said, here are the things I'm passionate about and look for the overlap? Because you have a biochemistry degree and you have this expertise in running and you go, wait, here's where they overlap. This is what I should do with my life? Not exactly. I was studying biochemistry back in college because I wanted to be a doctor. And I put that on the back burner so that I could train professionally and, and make an Olympic team, which I did in 2008. And I had done a few different entrepreneurial ventures with my coach, Sam LaPrey, who's a serial entrepreneur as well. And we had this idea for run gum. We have ideas for lots of different things. And it wasn't until I actually felt the need, the absolute need for this product that we finally said, we have to bring this to market. I drank an energy drink and ran a 1500 and actually set a personal best. I knew the stimulants that I was getting in my body were what I wanted. But after running 336 for 1500 meters, I immediately collapsed the finish line and projectile vomited an energy drink. I was so angry. I was so fed up with these horrible, sugary, acidic drinks. I said, it's time. We have to bring this to market today, not just because I think it's a great business idea, but because I personally need this in my life. And there was no whiteboard moment. It was just born out of necessity. And just to editorialize a little bit, if you're looking to get into any kind of career or anything, you know, one of the best ways to steep this learning curves is to start your own business because you will learn more from that than any job you can take, right? And I'm sure you've noticed that over yeah, the last absolutely. two years. Yeah, and it's not always oh, easy, but it certainly is a yeah fast way to get your feet on the ground. Yeah, I agree. So what's in this stuff? How does it work? Utilizing that biochem degree, I kind of knew the stimulants that I wanted to put in my body is caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins. I knew the dosage that I wanted. And so many companies are trying to force you to drink something when it's time to get energy, whether it's a gel or a shot or a drink. All these companies want you to drink something, but I'm not thirsty. I just want the energy. And so putting it into gum was really the answer. If you think about Nicorette, they've capitalized on the idea that sublingual absorption is a really quick way to get your fix. And they use nicotine in their functional gum. Well, we use caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins. One packet of run gum contains 100 milligrams of caffeine. That's very similar to what you'd find in a strong cup of coffee. It's actually 20 milligrams more than you'd find in an 8.4 ounce Red Bull. So it's a tick in the pants. I mean, you open a pack, we have three different flavors, fruit, mint, and cinnamon. You open your pack, you find a flavor you love, and it's so lightweight and affordable and a clean way to get these performance enhancing stimulants. Students, when they're being pulled 100 different directions, whether it's to party or to study or to work out, I mean, they go through this stuff like crazy. I find that I need a packet of run gum every afternoon just to get through my afternoon workout or to get through all the work that I have as an entrepreneur. It's just a very functional product. And rather than going to the store and paying $3 for an energy shot or $3 or more for an energy drink, you can go online to rungum.com and get a packet of run gum for a buck 50. There's so many reasons that run gum is a better answer for your energy needs. So when you 
say sublingual, what you mean is that you start absorbing this in your body as soon as you bite into it. Because if you, with a lot of applications, you have to actually swallow the stuff and that's get absorbed through your stomach or your intestines. But with this product goes right into your cheek and gums. That's correct. That's just science. Sublingual absorption is faster than gastrointestinal absorption. And that's why we think that gum is a better delivery vehicle than liquid. Yep. And I see this uh, a lot of times with the folks do longer distances where they need to get some electrolytes in. There's a difference between having to take a pill and chewing on something uh, to get some electrolytes in. It hits your bloodstream faster. So you hear people talk about base salts. That's what they're talking about. It's putting that stuff under your tongue and the electrolytes will get right into your system as well in a a different application. So you talked a little bit about the, the athletes and the students and the truck drivers and all this stuff, right? I mean, I remember the old style no-dose caffeine pills, right? Which were sort of the same application. You'd take a no-dose and that would knock you awake for a couple hours. When you started this, were you specifically thinking about runners? And then as you sort of got some feedback, you realized that there's a broader audience. What have you found with the target market? What's the uptake? Well, I would say our direct competitors are are people making energy shots and energy drinks, but we weren't going to just come out the gates trying to go after Red Bull or trying to go after five-hour energy. We are very similar chemically to a sugar-free Red Bull, but we're not going to take down Red Bull tomorrow. And just as Red Bull doesn't only sell to skydivers and BMX riders, we don't only sell to runners and cyclists. That is our target demographic, and that's who we're building our brand on. But we sell to anybody who needs energy. And as I mentioned before, I think that we're a better energy product. Similar only in the sense that it's a caffeine pill, but again, you're being forced to swallow something and uh, it's slower uptake. And and also they're 200 milligram pills, a lot of caffeine. Each piece of run gum contains 50 milligrams. And if you're a low caffeine user and don't have a high tolerance, one piece is going to be just right for you. If you are a high caffeine user and have built up a lot of tolerance, then two pieces might be the way to go. But the nice thing about run gum is you know exactly what you're getting. You're getting 50 milligrams of caffeine every time you pop a piece in your mouth, and you can dial that up and down according to your own needs. Yeah, well, I mean, as a business, that's a very good addressable market because that industry that you're referring to there, the Red Bull and that kind of stuff, that is a multi-billion dollar industry. Billion with a B. I but think if you add in, in, if you you, add you probably, if you add in coffee, it's even bigger. Yeah, and it's it's almost like a fashion industry sort of approach, so it's interesting. But for runners, you know, you get our people who listen to this are going to be marathoners or 10Kers, you know, they're mid-packers. I mean, what's the application? You drop one of these before you, you know, and chew it for your set of 1600s in the afternoon, or you keep it in your back pocket for the tail end of your long run. What's the application? I think everyone's going to find their own personal use. If I'm going out for a 13-mile long run, I'm going to chew two pieces for about five to 10 minutes as I'm driving to the long run. You can chew out the active ingredients in about five minutes, and it takes me anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes to absorb all the ingredients and to feel the full benefit of the kick. Long distance runners, there are people who were chewing run gum in competition during the Olympic Games. I'm talking about world-class marathoners taping packets of run gum to their bottles so that they can get performance enhancement mid-race. We recently had some great feedback from our first run of packaging that was not in a waterproof packet. And so many marathoners were saying, hey, I'm I'm (laughs) tucking run gum into my bra or into my shorts, and 
it's getting wet because I'm sweating, but I need this at mile 20. I have to have it mile 20 and I, do, I need it to be intact. So we listened to that feedback and our new packaging is totally waterproof. And I actually had this really great feedback the other day of, of a woman who is pacing a group to a Boston qualifying time. And at mile 25, one of the people she was pacing started to fall off and was not going to get their qualifying time by a mere second. And she just happened to have an extra piece of run gum. She reached into her shorts, grabbed that piece and shared it with the person she was pacing. And that athlete went on to not only get their qualifying time, but to break that time by 15 seconds. So call it placebo, call it science, call it a combination of the two. It works. And I really, really believe that this product can benefit so many people. So the impact of caffeine in your body, it has that initial kick, right? Depending on, again, what your sensitivity to it is, right? How much you take. So I'm a coffee drinker, so it wouldn't make me crazy. But the impact of that caffeine is tends to fall off, right? So you can overdo it. If you take too much, you're not going to get the benefit and you're just going to get jittery and not be able to sleep, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you're talking about tolerance, the more caffeine you use, the more tolerant you're going to become to it. If you're talking mm -hmm. about just finding that optimal dose for yourself, yeah, you want to feel the mental alertness and the energy, but you don't want to be jittery and, and shaky. The, again, the nice thing about run gum is that each piece is perfectly dosed out in 50 milligram increments. If you were to go and get a cup of coffee, that coffee, depending on where the beans were made and how it was roasted, that could vary by 100 milligrams per cup. You might get a cup of coffee that's weak and only has 25 milligrams. You might get a cup of coffee that's strong and has 125 milligrams. If yeah. you're just sitting around the office, that's fine. But if you're trying to perform in a marathon, and if you're trying to perform in an Olympic final, fluctuations like that are absolutely unacceptable. And that's where run gum is just the perfect answer. Yeah, I can see um, it would be good for those uh, early morning big city marathons where you got to roll out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and there's not going to be a Starbucks open, right? You take Correct. one more thing off your lift. List. Yeah, that's interesting. I was just going to say, I have chewed regular gum while going out running, right? And I found that it can settle your stomach sometimes, right? So it has a, a calming effect. Mm -hmm. Just the, the act of chewing produces saliva and other stuff, and it can settle your stomach. And the other thing is I found it makes you less thirsty if you're chewing gum, right? If you go out in a hot day, it'll because of the saliva. I mean, you guys have any studies around that? You know, there's a lot of studies that, that point, you know, that run gum, or not run gum, but just gum in general has a lot of great cognitive properties. Around the country, before standardized tests, teachers will pass out sticks of gum because they've been shown to have improvement on their test-taking abilities just because of the cognitive enhancement. It wakes you up. If you're running, you know, and I don't recommend that people work out or run while chewing gum. I always encourage them to spit run gum out after five to ten minutes because they've absorbed the ingredients. <laughs> But if you do choose to run with gum, yeah, I personally, you know, start out every run with gum. And I think that, like you said, it, it helps calm down the, that cotton mouth feeling. And it does give you a, a certain sense of alertness and cognitive increased enhancement. Again, don't go running and chewing gum and, and, and asphyxiate. But if you feel like that's something that's appropriate for you, there is science to back it up. I'm sure you get that question, right? You probably get that question every time, which is the, uh, you know, you'll choke to death or it'll get, you'll swallow it and it'll get stuck in your insides, right? Like you're talking to your grandmother <laughs> or something, right? Yeah. And again, just everybody needs to do what's best for them. I personally like to start the run with, with gum and then I spit it out, but be safe out there. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'll run with gum sometimes just because of the calming effect of it. 
So you got this little company going here. What's the end game for this little company? What are you trying to grow it to? What are you doing in five and 10 years? I really, really believe that this is the future of the energy market. So if you think that Red Bull created the energy market, basically branched it outside of just coffee in the early 90s, and they really defined what it meant to have energy drink. And that was great. But then 5-Hour Energy came along and said, well, I don't want to drink 8.4 ounces of liquid. I only want to drink a couple ounces of liquid. More or less, what they did is just dehydrated a Red Bull. We're saying, why drink anything? Drinking something is slower absorption, and it's a waste of calories. It's sugary. We don't want any of that. We just want the stimulants. So we dehydrated the energy drink all the way down to its active ingredients and put it into chewing gum. Something that resonates loudly with consumers is, I'm not thirsty, I just want energy. And when they hear that, it makes so much sense to them that run gum is the answer. And then for the, all those reasons, I have no reason to believe that run gum won't be as big as Red Bull and 5-Hour Energy one day. So you're going to have to uh, expand it out. You're doing sort of the social word of mouth thing now you know, to try to get some grassroots pull your uh, sales, but I'm sure you're working to get it into some of the retail chains and some of the uh, other online chains as well, right? Oh, absolutely. A lot of our business comes from rungum.com and you can go there and learn about our product and our story. But we also have 250 retailers throughout the United States. And if you live in a big city, I can almost guarantee you that there's a retailer near you. So go to rungum.com and you can see a list of all of our great retailers, a map right there to, that can direct you to one. We're growing every single day, and we just made two new hires. It's fun. It's exciting. Startup culture is frantic and exciting. But I do think that if we do this right, and if uh, people continue to tell their friends about just how great this product is, that the sky's the limit for Rungum. Yeah, it's quite a ride, isn't it? How are you finding the startup world? Is it what you thought it would be, or is it a little different? What do you think? Yeah. You're- just as your summary advice for people, you know, everybody always says, oh, I want to start my own company. But having been through that mill a couple times, I'm not sure most people know what they're getting into. So what's your summary from your last two years of being on the rocket ship? I think that ever since the recession, there's been this idea of taking control of your own destiny. And entrepreneurship or startup culture has, has become very popular. And I was a young entrepreneur in my mid-20s and had done a few other ventures, and I knew how rocky this was. I never knew just how tough bringing a product to market would be. Consumer goods is a, is a totally different game. But I guess I would say that I was fortunately humble enough to know how little I knew and to bring a lot of great advisors into the creation of Run Gum. And whether it was venture capitalists or other CEOs or even my own business partner, we never for one second thought that we knew everything. We were at least wise enough to know how little we knew and to call upon some experts to help us avoid some early pitfalls. And I think that's one of the reasons that Rungum has been so successful in its first two years. Yeah, you're right. There's this culture right now that almost fetishizes the startup community, right? Job creators, absolutely. It's interesting. So you're still a runner. What's on your bucket list for running, right? You're going to go longer? You know, you already got the speed. You might as well stretch it out, right? Well, I'm going to try to run one more track season. I'll be 33 in December, which is, you know, I'd be the great grandfather of Team USA, but I don't mind that. And then I think I'd like to run a marathon. It's the only thing left on my running bucket list that I've never done. So one of these days, I'll pick a marathon and uh, see what I can do over 26.2 miles. Yeah, we got one here in Boston you might have heard of. I've heard about it. Yeah, (laughs) that'd be a great one. Yeah. And people tend to have a, a good race coming out at Boston for some reason. 
All right. Absolutely. Well, I, I'd be honored to run that course. Yeah, it was great talking to you. I think your folks are going to send me some samples, so I'll give it a try and see see what it does. Awesome. <laughs> so it's an That'd interesting concept. And I think as a business, it may catch fire, but it's probably going to catch fire for some reason you haven't thought of yet, right? I know. Well, that's the funny thing is, of course, we market mostly to endurance athletes, but I get messages on Twitter and Instagram of people from all walks of life saying, this product saved me today. A mom running errands, and she'll send me a message saying, hey, Run Gum, I was losing my mind trying to get everything done today. Thank you for helping me get through this busy day. And that's just a very rewarding message for us to receive here at Run Gum. You know, we really believe that people matter and performance matters. And uh, messages like that just reinforces that what we're doing is really helping people. Yeah, it'll come out of the blue at you. It'll be like some famous video gamer will chat it up or some rock yeah. star will be seen with the package before a concert. Mm-hmm. So uh, That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, awesome. man. Thanks for chatting. Enjoy Thank it. you so much for the time. Yeah, great chatting with you. Yep. Talk to you later. Sometimes it takes a third party to tell us what we already know. Facebook, media, human nature, and free will. Understanding the algorithm. It started innocently enough. I would take an occasional hit every so often during the day. Then things started getting out of control. I noticed the signs of addiction creeping into my life. I would have trouble focusing. I would find myself losing entire chunks of my work day and not knowing where it went. I would need my fix right away in the morning before anything else. I had it always available so I wouldn't ever be without it. I needed an intervention. So I took Facebook off my phone. I took the Facebook Messenger off my phone. I deleted all the browser bookmarks for news sites. I feel better. I miss it. I feel like I'm missing out, but I feel healthier. I choose when and how to interact with social media. I'm not a dancing monkey, frantic for treats. Social media, and I include the popular news sites in that definition, it's not evil. Well, it's not overtly evil. But it is designed to get our attention, to keep our attention, and to garner more and more of our attention. Social media, and media in general, is trying to manipulate us. Media is after something from us. When we participate, we are part of a transaction. Media gives us bits of stimulation, and for that, we trade our attention and our intention. It has always been this way, but the Internet gives media excellent tools to get our attention. Algorithms are tireless in their pursuit of our attention. It's always on, and it's always thinking one or two steps ahead. It's like being on a diet and having someone leaving maple cream donuts fresh out of the oven in every room you enter, just before you get there. And I'm not bashing any particular site or organization or even social media. I use it to get what I want. I'm part of the game. But I do think we have to understand what the exchange is and go into that with our eyes open. What is the goal or the purpose of any media? And it's not just Facebook or Twitter. It's not just television and popular news media sites. It's the nature of media to vie for our attention. 
What is the underlying purpose? Well, it's to make money, of course. And if you want to be even more abstract, it's about power because money is a manifestation of power. But to make money, a product must be sold. And that product, at the end of the day, could be golf clubs, life insurance, or weight loss. It doesn't matter. The media are not selling any particular end product. They're selling access to you, your profile, and your data. And in order to sell access to you, they have to get your attention. They need to not only get your attention, but keep your attention. So how do they get your attention? By targeting basic human emotions. By pushing your buttons. This is not a new phenomenon. Media outlets have understood since news was carved on clay tablets, if it bleeds, it leads. A little light knowledge of history shows that media have started revolutions and wars. Remember the Maine, cried William Randolph Hearst and Joseph Pulitzer. It's human nature. Sensationalism sells newspapers. Controversy sells tickets. That's how they get your attention. More newspapers means more attention. Phineas T. Barnum knew that there is no such thing as bad publicity as he trundled Jumbo the elephant around the country. Instead of newspapers and sideshow tickets now, sensationalism and controversy sell likes and shares. Instead of mad editors making up yellow press to fuel the fires, algorithms optimize the feedback loop. If cat videos get more likes, then you will see more cat videos. And it doesn't start as outrage. It starts with our basic human need to belong to a social group, to be part of something. There are over a billion people on Facebook. This gives plenty of scale to find that specific segment of the community like you to hang out with. It facilitates a community that is independent of the physical, independent of nationality, race, creed, geography. And that's the really good news. The less good news is that the algorithm is not concerned so much with community. The algorithm is looking for your attention. Your human need to be social, to be invited to the party, is the foot in the door. Community is in the bargain for your attention. In optimization, we call the goal of a mathematical algorithm the fitness criteria. This is the end goal of the algorithm. It might be the highest utilization of seats on an airplane, or the number of calls per hour. And the way we decide if an answer is good or better is to compare it to the fitness criteria. And some of these problems are mathematically solvable, meaning there is one right answer, and you can crunch the numbers to find it. For social algorithms, it's a bit muddier. There's no one answer. I mean, who's to say what's, what's good, what's bad, what's the right result? The algorithm is constantly twiddled with and tuned to come close to some balance between a number of factors. But the biggest factor the algorithm uses to decide what to put in front of you and when in your social media timeline is how much of your attention it gets. Did you like it? Did you respond to it? Did you share it? Did it get a lot of comments? That's how the winners are picked. And this particular class of algorithms are known as learning algorithms. They take the information you give them and they learn to make better decisions over time. 
and the more information they get, the better the answers they come up with. And in this case, that means they get better at giving you what gets your attention. And guess where the learning algorithms get the information they need to learn? They get it from you. Your behavior online, programs, how social media, and the internet in general serves you. You are programming the way social media acts towards you. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? So the risk with this kind of algorithm is that you can quickly become caught up in a feedback loop. If you like the sensational post, it gives you more, and soon all you see is topics you like. And remember, this isn't news or truth or fact. You get what you want to see, and you eventually never see anything else, and you get trapped in an echo chamber of your own opinion and emotion. If it bleeds, it leads. Outrageous things that make you angry and afraid and anxious are propagated because that's what gets your attention. The more anxious you get, the more likely you are to do something. Fear sells. Can you imagine a world where critical thinking is replaced by shouting matches and personal insults? That would be terrible, wouldn't it? So, can we stop it? Should we stop it? No, we can't stop it because it's basic human nature. We can choose not to play. We can understand how we're being played. And we can moderate our own programming of the machine. And for me, of course, this means sharing fascinating science and archaeology articles, but you probably won't see those because they don't have dancing cats or outrageous insults in them. Occasionally, they will have jellyfish or wildebeests in them, and wildebeests are cool. For all the ridiculous things media makes you angry about, why aren't we angry about being lulled into giving away our free will? It's an interesting question. Okay, now we're going to move you towards the exit, please. Well, my friends, you have chomped your caffeine-laced gum through the end of episode 4-351 of the Run Run Live podcast. Are you feeling a bit jittery? Maybe going to have trouble sleeping tonight? I have some good news. I mentioned to you that I was upgrading my home computers, right? Well, I found a backup of my zombie novel that I thought I had lost in a hard disk crash two years ago. And I have a feeling you folks on the members feed may be getting some zombies. Maybe. I mean, it's almost November, right? I could do this as my November, uh, what's it called, Novo Rimo, the uh, write a novel in November thing. I've got no big plans other than continue to lose fitness. <laughs> If my hip feels better, I may try to lay on some speed for my Thanksgiving 5K turkey trot, but I'm not pushing it. I have to think about what my next big thing is. So if anybody has anything truly stupid, uh, let me know because I'd love to do it. Speaking of big things, did you see the Guinness record for the USA cross-country run is going to fall this week? Probably by the time you hear this. I was trading emails with Frank Giannino, who has held the existing record since 1980. He did it in 46 days, 8 hours, and 36 minutes. This is what they call the big boy route from the Pacific Ocean to City Hall Steps in New York City. As we speak, Pete 
Kostelnik should be pulling into New York City with an average of 72 miles a day to set a new record. And Frank is going to be down there to greet Pete this week. And I'm going to chat with Frank later in the week if we can swing it. And you know what's special about Pete? Nothing much, really. He started running to lose weight. His first goal was to complete a marathon. He caught the bug and he ran Boston in 2009-2010. Then he caught the ultra bug and went on to set a new record at the Badwater 135. And now he's going to break the record for running 3,000 plus miles across the country that has stood for 36 years. Just because he decided to get off the couch, lose some weight, and run a marathon. Humans are amazing. There are miracles hidden in each of us. We just have to find them. And I'll see you out there. And then he thought that he just couldn't die. So Ned, he laughed so hard it made him cry. Warming up, warming up, warming up, warming up. How are those vocal cords? Green tea with pomegranate. I'm going to the country, baby, do you want to go? Name that tune. Canned Heat. Yeah, I play that game. So, 